All right, hello everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Tomorrow. I apologize for a few minutes late. We had some odd technical issues, which of course happens every now and again. But we are here, and I'm super excited for today's guest. Just as a reminder to everybody, we interview everyday innovators from across the globe who are out there shaking things up, um, disrupting the status quo, and kind of paving their own path. And my hope, of course, is by interviewing them that we get a little something out of it. Sometimes I feel like it's personal therapy for myself and what I learn, but I know people across the globe love it too. So with that, I want to dig into my guest today, Kristen Olson, who is a lady that I have known. Oh my gosh, I think we tried to figure it out. I was like, it's been like 10, 12 years since I think the first time we met. And then we yeah. were like circling each other's radars, but maybe not as connected. And then it all just kind of came together. So Kristen is amazing. So she's a lifelong athlete an amazing CrossFitter, I'm just going to say that, among other sports. Um, she is the host of Turmeric and Tequila, which, by the way, I'm just going to tell you, I didn't know that I spelled turmeric wrong my entire life until I had to spell it out. It happens. It happens. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's an R. Uh, and she's a brand, I want to say an expert branding person, but really it's about connecting right? Mission-driven brands with mission-driven people. So I don't know if you talk about that. So first of all, Kristen, thank you so much for joining. And by the way, if you're out there watching across YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, you can ask questions and I will field them for you. That's my job as host. So I will make sure to get your questions in. So Kristen, thank you for joining. I'm so happy to see you. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm always happy to share some time, energy, and space with you, uh, my fellow CrossFitters, oh. creators, podcasters. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I think it's like 10 to 12 years. And it's funny that yeah. we chose things outside of fitness that cross paths. So I know. Isn't that funny? We have all these parallels and we didn't even know it. So, wow. Yeah, I know. So let me start by asking you, um, you spend a lot of time like I do interviewing other people, particularly mission driven. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious where that focus on mission driven entrepreneurs, people, brands, where that came from for you and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah, it's huge. Well, you know, the, the tell old uh, saying is you are like the, some of the five people you're around the most. And that's not really language I had as a kid or as a young person, but I was fortunate to be a competitive athlete pretty early on. I have three younger brothers, so we were thrown into stuff, you know, from day one. And I was used to being around competitive humans that were had a goal in mind. It was usually athletic minded, you know, win the championship, get qualified or qualify for something or um, get a scholarship, something of that. And then when I graduated college, uh, I was a D1 athlete. Before I found CrossFit, I was like, man, you know, I don't know that I fit into this like civilian world where it's just the nine to five and you kind of do the happy hour and dating and like, it's all good. But I was so used to being around humans that were like focused and mm -hmm. working towards something, anything. And it could be having a family, qualifying for the CrossFit games, um, working your way up into the corporate world, whatever. It's just, you're just focused on something. So I, I learned early on about myself that it was really important for me to be around people that I would say like are better than me. Like they're, they're usually a level up. Like I had to walk onto my D1 program. I was always kind of a step behind. I'm so thankful I was in that because it created this path of moving forward. So I've always tried to keep people that are doing what I like to say stuff that's a little bit bigger than me and be around them. Cause you know, I'm, I'm learning with them. So I'm really intentional with my clients, my podcast guests, what have you, everybody is a mission driven human and they're doing something. And nine times out of 10, they're giving back to something bigger than themselves. So since you've kind of been in both worlds, what do you think is the difference just in maybe it's behaviors or traits or habits in people who are really mission driven 
or focused on achieving something, like you said, that could be being the best parent, it could be climbing the corporate ladder, it could be entrepreneurship, whatever it is. But people like that who are really driven to something versus people who are not, I guess. I, I don't even know how to describe those people, like going with yeah. the flow, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's people that are probably still searching those. You know, certainly it's, it kind of sounds like an elite status. Like I always say my varsity humans, it's, it's not a better than or worse than. It's, again, yeah. the people that are seeking towards something to better themselves. Uh, so it's, it, I think as a human being, we all have a purpose. We all have these unique yeah. idiosyncrasies that are our gifts that are, you know, little flags in the forest on stuff that we should be doing. And it takes time, myself included, for us to figure out what that purpose is. Uh, and that can be part of the, the mission. So if you're not really seeking purpose, you don't have one. I actually think that's where a lot of like the mental health stuff comes in, but the people that know their purpose or they're in lieu of finding their purpose are the mission driven humans. And I think that is really our, uh, innate situation and our innate purpose as human beings to do, to find out, you know, how can we be the, the most useful selves, our most useful selves in this world and then serve accordingly. I, I really think it's that simple. So for the ones that aren't in that, maybe they're a little more laid back. They're figuring it out. We all have our own journeys. It's not a better or worse thing. I think it's, it's usually just a matter of timing. Um, but you know, as you do seek your purpose, you get to know yourself a little bit better. You can find like-minded humans pretty easily. So I want to dig into something you said there, cause you said it quickly, but I think I think it's going to be a good conversation to have. And by the way, Jackie says, hi, she's watching. And also one of our, both of our favorite friends in the world. Hi, Jackie. Uh, so we love having her here. Hi. Um, and in our world. Uh, so you said flags in the forest and kind of my ears perked up a little bit on that because I know that I've really gone uh, a lot of very circuitous path to figure out those flags. And sometimes now upon, upon reflection, I feel like those flags were there sometimes and I ignored them or I just, I didn't see them. I wasn't in the space to see them. And sometimes I had to work really hard to clear the static, you know, in the fog in the forest to, to see the flags that were there. And I would just love to get your perspective on how do you figure out the flags versus the static and the noise? And then how do you, how do you, get clarity around those flags because I do think those flags are what I think once you get clarity it's very easy to kind of have a purpose of some kind I think that lack of clarity is what holds a lot of us back it's, it's noise static well it's funny you mentioned this because this is a big focus for me in 2024 uh because as you know we're doers we're creators like we're going to fix it we're going to solve it we're going to train harder you know and it's a sloop and it's really about being still probably my worst skill set but getting better as you get older mostly because i'm tired uh Jack <laughs> but it's uh it's really about being still and then like you said getting really really clear yeah. on what you want i had this great practice with my friend that's a coach shout out to jessica crow she um awesome entrepreneur started her own business apogee and we sat down this year and we wrote a letter to ourselves for six months from now that we're going to read and it's like literally what do you want personally professionally like really clear goals and mine was like three pages and i got into the nitty-gritty of like gritty of greedy good god um uh nitty-gritty of what i want you know as far as financial goals, as far as sponsors I want for the podcast, like really specific stuff. And I think that clarity has been a huge series of arrows in the forest that have allowed me to really focus and dial in all this energy that's swirling that, you know, you and I both have. Yeah. And it's kind of like harnessing it and then putting it in a direction. 
specifically about the arrows though, I think the importance of getting still is knowing what you want clarity, but sometimes you, you're not even in a space of, to know what you want. And that was me for a long time. And still sometimes now, cause you start to learn all the things you don't want as you get older, you see stuff and it kind of creates yeah. fears and um, that can navigate you in a certain direction, but the arrows in the forest, and this just kind of came out of nowhere on a podcast like years ago. Um, but it was when I started to start my self-reflection process, process, probably around like early thirties, I was like, dang, there were signs all along that I should have been doing this or this. And those those are the things that I think are the arrows or the flags in the forest, however you call them, are the most important words where you take even a yeah. five minute pause and you reflect on like years and be like, oh man, this, I mean, you know, I loved getting on the mic, you know, 20 years ago or recording on a tape before podcasting was a thing. Like there is all this stuff. So long-winded point, I think it's take a moment, get clear what you want, but reflect on the past few years, five, 10 years and see what stuff, what patterns there are mm-hmm. on what kind of makes sense and let those patterns help dictate how you move forward. Cause usually the path, like the stars are already lining up. We just got to see it. Yeah. It's the same part that I think is the challenge. And the other thing that what you're saying reminds me of is, and I know I've experienced this is sometimes I will do something and I'll get a hint of success. And by success, I mean, well, we'll take podcasts, right? So I started doing this live. This is totally new doing it this way for us, but I really wanted to do it differently. I wanted people to be able to ask questions. I wanted it to be more like a show versus like just going into a studio, which nothing wrong, but that's not what I wanted. Um, And I tried this a while back and then didn't keep up with it. But what's funny about it is it felt really good. The process was really good. The numbers were really good. And yet I was like, and now I need to change it up. Yeah. And there's like this yeah. constant need to edit and evolve and ch- and I'm all about innovation. And I think innovation and thinking differently and doing it differently is very, very important. But I also think you have to balance that with, hey, you found something that works. How about like continuing on that path and making tweaks as you go, but not shifting gears. So yeah. all that is long winded to say that I found that sometimes I'd find the flags and I'd like do something. I'd get success to only kind of self-sabotage myself, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. Well, I think when you're, you're good at doing hard things, you suffer in CrossFit, you, you, you're an entrepreneur, yeah. you do hard stuff. You think for it to be mm. normal on the daily, it has to be hard. So you make it hard. And this flow in this peaceful state is foreign to most of a lot, to a lot of us, because we're not really used to it not being difficult. And it's like, there's less satisfaction when it's not really, really hard. It's like, you think something's healthier because it tastes absolutely disgusting where actually it can be good for you and tastes good. So it's like, we have to, you know, graceful disruption, we talk about, you know, changing the world, but so much of graceful disruption is changing our own narrative and our, our voice within of like, things are, ha- this is how it has to be. Cause yeah. we're the ones setting ourselves up for these, following these wrong arrows. Like it starts right here. So, you know, we don't, it doesn't have to be hard all the time. <laughs> so I, was, I don't know. I can't remember if I've shared this with you before or not, but uh, I did a, it was like a manifestation six week program kind of thing once. Right. And the first thing you were supposed to do was pick something that you're going to see in the next 24 hours that you wouldn't normally see. So not your coffee mug, but like maybe a turtle, um, roses, uh, you know, something that's not in your day-to-day world. So I picked something so hard because I was like, I'm going to prove that this doesn't work, right? I was feeling all high and mighty about it. So I picked peacocks. And okay. so and I did, took the dog for some walks. I did some things and I did not see any peacocks, right? And I was like feeling so like, ha, see, this is BS. And then in the follow-up video in this program, the woman said, now I bet some of you picked something that you were sure not to see. 
yep. or that you chose to ignore because you think things have to be difficult. So therefore you decided to make it difficult. And it, Kristen, it blew my mind because I, I realized to your point about, we think it has to be hard when really it should flow, right? Once we figure it out, it's, it's not that you're not gonna work, but it should flow. But that lesson for me was so powerful. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna pick peacocks again, but with a different mindset. And sure enough, somebody had a statue in their yard right down the street. I love it. I love it. Well, a lot of it is, and I'd be curious to know if you've done like work with like masculine, feminine energy. It's not about gender. It's just about, you know, doing yeah. masculine, feminine, letting it come to you and all that stuff. I really tried to pull back again, being a doer, being tapped out, <laughs> saving energy for workouts, um, getting clear on what you want, manifesting it or whatever you call it. I know some people are a little bit weird about the woo, um, but energy can't be created or destroyed. So it's all science at the end of the day, whole other yeah. podcast, but it's, about doing less and just focusing on what you want more and and letting it come in is that something are you good at that like are you i know it's always a practice uh am i good at which part the manifesting like letting it come are you like the doer that's gonna go get it no so i tend to be a white knuckler and i'm working really hard on not because what i found is that when i let it when i'm more open to receiving things come yeah and i know that and i've experienced it but my my default is like, I must go, I must go, I must go. But I heard someone say this the other day, I don't want to hustle. What do you say? I don't want to hustle and grind. I want to ebb and flow. Yeah. And I thought that was a beautiful, cause he's like, you can ebb and flow and still have purpose, but yeah. let things come to you. So no, I suck at it. <laughs> I I was at, I was getting like um, a skin treatment or facial or something. And I get the weirdest messages at the weirdest times. Yeah, and the practitioner was working on me. She's like, you know, you're just something to this. And again, you know, I'm, we're out here. We're, we're open-minded to all things, but she's like, you know, you're queen of the universe. You just got to let it come in. If you want a billion dollars, whatever it is, it's coming. You just have to be still be the feminine queen you are and let it all come to you. And I was like, Oh my God, like, how's the facial going? Like what's, what's happening. So I think kind of like to the arrows to bring it all full circle, yeah. these points is, you know, messages are usually hitting us pretty hard. It's just a matter of us listening and the peacock can show up. The message can come from the esthetician. Like it's all around us. It really is just a matter yeah. of listening and then really trying to do the practice. That's why I think sometimes we need to, I know in my experience, uh, when I'm really going after stuff, because I have big, really big goals that I want to achieve. And right. I'm not ashamed about them. I'm very clear about, I'm very, very clear about them. But I'm what I'm trying to work on is receiving the messages and the success that comes to you when you get the clarity. And I've learned if I, not, not ease off in the sense that I'm lazy, but just relax into things a little bit more things come but that's a real challenge for, I'm, I'm a i'm a type a person who grew up in the 80s and 90s in corporate america like i i wear my red three-piece ann taylor suits and like i march into the conference room with my suitcase briefcase and like that's how i grew up so i have to really work on the other side letting you know? it be yeah yeah um, i mean it's it's a concept like you said we're not we weren't conditioned that way to to yeah. kind of sit back, relax, and believe, but it's real. <laughs> How do you know then, Christian, when you are maybe white knuckling it versus in a place of receiving? Because I think sometimes it's a default we don't even know we're getting into. Uh, well, I wear two trackers, so that's one thing, and I'm not even a data person. Again, Jackie knows this. Uh -huh. so you're trying to do the master's thing a couple years ago, so I was trying to dial in all details. Yeah. I'm really, I'm very much more intuitive than data driven, even in my business, which clients don't always love, but you know, we do what we do. Um, because you, once you get to know yourself, you can really like read and understand stuff. 
uh, most of my thing is I, I really do just get so tired. I'm just tapped out or, you know, I start to get sick or I just get burned. I just don't want to do stuff I normally enjoy. And that's usually my first red flag in that we got to just take a break and do less. But God, even thinking like do less, like gives me like anxiety and I'm not even an anxious person. So it's a really careful balance of keeping stuff fun and joyful like you're not going to love all the pieces of podcasting you're not going to love all the exercises of crossfit but as long as i'm enjoying like 99 of it we're okay the, se the second it starts to fade and not be fun and feel like a chore i really try and pull back yeah and i think that's where purpose comes into like i don't just to be super tactical in my story i don't i love this part of the podcasting i don't love writing the description after totally. and it's best if i do it because i'm i was here for the conversation i found Yep. Maybe it takes 15, 20 minutes, but I, I don't, it's annoying at that point. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. I already did the conversation. I don't want to do that part. But knowing that getting that podcast out there is going to impact people and help me reach my goals, that both of those things are going to happen, keeps me pushing through those things I don't like to do. So I think that's where the purpose really comes in. I, I want to go over, I want to make sure we talk about graceful disruption and what that means. Because I think the first time I heard you talk about that um, and that you're real focused on that, I was really intrigued because I... I think there's this I don't know, narrative out there that like either you are status quo or you're like breaking a wall with a hammer. And so I love those two things together. I'd never heard them before. So will you talk about what graceful disruption means and what that looks like? Yeah, it's kind of been a crazy journey. And as you were speaking, I wanted to throw this even back to you, but I'll answer your question. Um, yeah. As a kid, I, I had like these deep intuitions, like always, even when I was at uh, you know, it was a walk on at a D1 university. We were a top 20 team, like my freshman year, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it didn't go the way I wanted. I turned my ACL, whatever. I was a captain, but I never, I always thought I could be a better athlete than I was. But in my mind, I was like, man, this isn't your stage. Like I had this deep intuition of like, this isn't your time. Like you're saying, I hated that. I fought it. I was like, no, I'm an athlete. Like literally like really intense internal battle. But of course we didn't have the language for this. Like just, it was just like there. And then CrossFit, you know, I was kind of always one outside of qualifying as an individual, like quite literally a multitude of times. My jump rope broke twice, like all these good excuses of just random stuff. And I had this feeling, I'm like, this isn't like your stage, like this isn't the purpose. And as an athlete, I was like, F that, this is it. Like, we're going to do this. Like, I've done all this work. I know I'm good enough, whatever. Um, so, you know, after I started my company and CrossFit and like fitness had kind of dimmed down, I was sitting there one day and I just kind of had this thing come through, you know, as I was working with influencers, I'm like, this just doesn't all feel transparent, real, like something's just not here. And I, I just wrote down, you know, I'm here to inspire positive, radical social evolution. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? How do I explain that? And then from there, I was like, well, you know, it's graceful disruption. And this was like four years ago, maybe longer. So I had these things that just kind of came through and I wrote it down and it's taking me even to like this last month, I've been rewriting the language of what turmeric and tequila is, what graceful and dis disruption is. And I've trademarked all these things, let it be known. So I did this very backwards process, but it's always been within. It's always been there. It's just been really hard for me to explain because it's me. Like I never really fit into these boxes, but it wasn't really about me explaining myself or, you know, disrupting things in the world. It was really understanding me and understanding that opposing things can harmoniously coexist. Mm -hmm. So turmeric and tequila is just like this lighthearted metaphor of two different things. That is me, you know, athlete, entrepreneur, what have you, fun enthusiast, tequila drinker, whatever. 
And it's about me accepting those things and not having to you know, explain to the world, well, this doesn't make sense. Well, yes, it does. So graceful disruptions about disrupting all this status quo, this narrative, this condition, these conditioning um, situations that we grow up in and starting to just be like, just gracefully disrupt yourself and your own narrative. So you can, you know, have mental and physical health, but then in turn, once you get in alignment, now we can actually get to our purpose and positively impact this world. So what advice do you have for people who are listening? Cause I can imagine people listening to this, whether it's live or later and thinking, Oh my gosh, I want that. Like, I don't want to fit in that box anymore. And I don't know what my box is or what, what isn't my box. Yeah. What advice do you have for people who are thinking, well, I want to start this journey now of being who I am and not in the box that I've been in. Yeah. How did they get started? Number one, just give yourself some grace. At 43, I'm absolutely still figuring out. I told you I'm rewriting the language of something I've innately known since I was, you know, probably eight or nine, I could have conscious thought on, you know, being pulled in a direction, if that makes sense. So it's always been there, but it's taken me a long time to figure out and I'll continue to figure out. And I think it will shape shift as we, we move on to the next situation. But my, my best advice would just really to, to be still reflect on um, your past and like any patterns that you see good or bad or however you label them, recognize what's there and really focus on what brings you joy, however random it is. I say this a lot on my podcast because I'm really passionate about our youth and mental health. However, whatever these little idiosyncrasies are that make you super different, maybe you organize spoons, maybe you love to draw, maybe you love fixing bikes, whatever. It doesn't have to make sense. Those are usually the things that are indicators of what you're supposed to do. And it takes time to figure it out. Podcasting was not a thing when I was in high school. If you were if my old or this self came to my young self, was like, you're going to be a podcaster. I'd be like, what in the hell is that? Spin again. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, so what you're going to do might not be a thing yet. So give yourself some grace and some time, but pay attention to what, what you're good at and what you care about. And I really think that's all the intel you need to just keep moving forward. And then the path will reveal itself. Well, and I think that to your point about the podcasting and the kind of, you know, what you were meant to do, um, podcasting obviously didn't exist because I'm older than you, right? That, you know, when I was young and neither did TikTok and neither did Facebook came up after I, you know, already kind of, thank God, because my childhood is not on Facebook. But that's a a win for me, if you ask. Uh, But um, I I think the how will change. It's the what that you own. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd love to get so. I want to get your opinion on this. So I'm a huge fan of really looking for the patterns and insights, not just what brings you joy and what lights you up. And I do think those are there. And we sometimes we either ignore them or we stamp them down because it's not what we're supposed to be doing. It's not our job description, right? It's not what we're told how we're supposed to be. And that's a shame. Um, But I'm also a fan of looking of the patterns and insights of the places where you self-sabotage or the BS that is, driving bad decisions or pulling you away from the things you want to do. And I just, I'd love to know what you think about that and how you think about both sides of that coin. Yeah, I think it's really hard. Number one is awareness. Cause sometimes you don't know how much you are self-sabotaging and people mm-hmm. around you. Like I got a lot of stuff. We'll, we'll tell you casually again, it's, it's awareness and listening. Um, and like the signs that are happening all around us. Either it'll be like, man, why didn't you speak up there? Why didn't you say something? Or why are you putting up with this? Like, why are you okay with this, this, and this? Or, um, man, I'm a fan of all my intuitives. And I've had intuitives be like, you know, I don't know if that person's good in your life. And so sometimes stuff will be said to you quite literally. It's just a matter of you being, you hearing it and then having the ability to truly address it and take it on and be like, okay, well, they're saying this for a reason. Like, am I 
fearful? Am I insecure? Am I unsure? And getting really honest with yourself in why am I self-sabotaging? And again, once you can see it, if you can look back and see patterns like, oh man, you know, I've actually had people in my life like this several times, or I've taken on jobs like this several times and it's ended the same way. I've dated the same person. It's ended like you can start to see if you can pull back the layer and get honest with yourself and be like, oh, it's there. But the second you address it and you see it, you can change it. Right. And I don't think you can change it until you see it. I, I oftentimes, like if I'm in a situation that I don't like, or something's been said to me that I don't like, or I've done something I don't like, frankly, half the time it's because something I did, then I'll stop and ask myself like, well, when did I do that before? Because there's no way it's just happening once. Right. You know, like it's, it's, it's probably a pattern of some kind that I need to address, but I need to own that it's a pattern and not a one-off situation. Um, one of our one of our watchers just said, there's a great, I, I can't see your name because it says LinkedIn user, but there's a great book called The Dip by Seth Godin about knowing when to quit. So I'm going to go okay. check that out. Because um, cool. quitting is a hard word for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, we're conditioned to like never quit, what have you. And yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm very big. I, so basically did a lot of econ classes in college. And one of my biggest takeaway was opportunity cost, very simple concept. You're, you're, you only have time and space for the thing at the task at hand. So if you're, taking on the opportunity to do one thing, you're giving up the opportunity to do something else. So label it, quit moving on, what have you, you got to understand where the energy is going and it's a finite resource. So you got to be mindful of where it's spent. So on that, let me ask you about opportunity cost in life, because I've, I'm a hundred percent. I agree with you on that. I think everything you do means you're not going to do something else. Right. And I think the trap we get into is this, we're spending 20% of our energy on everything versus 100% or even 80% would be great, right? On like the things that really matter. Yeah. How do you assess opportunity cost in life for you? Man, this is hard because you do have responsibilities. You need to pay bills. You got to get stuff done. Um, but it, I, I really do try and, the older you get, the more you see time's moving fast. I think I felt it more yeah. in these past couple years than ever that, you know, my dogs are getting older. My um, summers are going faster. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, your family, you see them aging around you. Like there's so much like right in front of you that time's being fast. So priorities get clearer. So I really try and slow down and just be present in the moment and understand that there's stuff that I, I have to do that maybe I don't want to do or what have you, but really being intentional and again, clear on what I want. So if it's not the way I want right now, I'm at least very intentionally working towards that yeah, yeah. flow that I do want. You know, it's interesting. So you've said it a few times now. So I just, for listeners out there, I just want to make sure that you really hear it about slowing down and being still and listening. Because Kristen, you said that a few times now, and I think that's a really powerful and important lesson for all of us. And and I'm, I'm not good at it. I'm working at it. And I will tell you that I do find that, um, so I have dogs like you, we're both big dog people. And um, I love them. And every day they need a walk. And every day I'm like, I don't have time for this. Oh my God, look at my to-do list, right? It's so crazy. But taking that, first of all, I do have time. That's a lie that I tell myself, yeah. number one. Yep. Number two, um, in that time that I go for the walk, and my son's been borrowing my headphones, so I don't have, because he broke his, so I don't have headphones to listen to something when I'm walking. <laughs> and it's been a real gift because yeah. it forced me to just stop for, even if it's just 20 minutes. Um, and I think that stillness has actually helped me be more productive, more innovative, more present in all my other time. And I talk about this a lot with mental energy and mental residue that we carry around, but then sometimes I need that lesson myself. But I think to your point about stillness, 
finding just a little bit of it in your day. It doesn't have to be a big, I'm going to the mountains for three days and never talking to anyone. Just go around the block. I think even that can, can change your, your mental game. Absolutely. And when we say stillness, it really can be in the car thinking that you can be doing something. Ideally, I really do think it is like meditative state, like sitting there, letting stuff come in. But if that's too much too soon, do the walk, pay attention in the car. Like you can still be doing something and be kind of like just calm and in your body. Um, But again, gracefully disrupt this narrative that it's hard or it's uncomfortable or what have you. Just sit there, just sit there for one minute and just try it and let that process unfold. This is why I just love your whole thing around graceful disruption, because I think what holds a lot of us back, what I've seen, because, you know, a lot of my work is about getting people to to be everyday innovators in their life, because we can all be it if we choose to. But what I see what holds them back is this thinking that it has to be this really big uphill battle, this push, you're breaking down walls and Ultimately, I think the best disruption are the graceful ones where maybe you just chisel away at the wall or take out a brick or you know what, maybe you just go around it and ignore the wall or you just do it a different way. There's so many times where that graceful side of it is ignored when that's really what would push someone forward. Absolutely. Again, we we don't, it doesn't have to be any one thing. And it's ironic that it was so hard for me to explain turmeric and tequila because that's, that's what it is. I don't, you need to explain it because marketing, branding, business, like people need to understand, like, that's how we make sense of this world. And on the flip side, it's important for me to be transparent. And like, it was really, it, it is hard for me to explain because it's me. It just, it all fits together. Like it works. Like it is a juxtaposition. We are all juxtapositions. But the takeaway is the more different you are, the more random little idiosyncrasies that you have, those are the gifts. And it, it doesn't need to make sense or be explained to the rest of the world. Like the stuff's on time, it's happening. Just lean into those things as much as you can. I love that. So you have an incredible podcast. You just mentioned it, turmeric and tequila. I now know how to spell turmeric. So that's very <laughs> exciting for me. I didn't know I was spelling it wrong all these years. Um, and you interview a lot of different mission-driven, mostly entrepreneurs, right? For the most part, yeah. It's funny. A lot of them are late, later in life entrepreneurs that have started after 30, 40, 50. Um, we actually have one that came out today with Jake Plummer, former Bronco. And he's got a business in functional mushrooms. So he took like this totally different path uh, from you know most retired NFL quarterbacks. So we have a lot of people that are like this you know juxtaposition. They took this hard right turn in a totally different direction uh, but then found success doing something that they had never done before but really really love it and bleed it so what i love about both of our jobs in the podcast world is that we we learn a lot right we spend our days learning we're very curious and i think that curiosity really benefits us i think more people should be more curious but what i want to know is um what well there's two things let me ask this one first what do you think is the commonality between people who you've interviewed that are mission driven in some way. And all those missions seem there. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. They're, they're different. Everybody's different, but there's a, there's some commonalities there. What are they? Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate every single listener. Uh, I, I think the number one thing is in some way, shape or form, they're serving something larger than themselves, whether it's their company, their mission, their, their faith, uh, something, the through line is absolutely they're living a life of service. A hundred percent. Interesting. Yeah. Was there a second part? No, 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 no. I was just, I, I was thinking about kind of what that means and how do you in a job or as a small business owner connect what you're doing to something bigger? We can't all take a right turn and launch businesses overnight. So how do, how does an everyday person find that through line? 
Oh, I think I, it does not need to be grandiose gestures. The, the tiniest things, you know, uh, paying a compliment at the grocery store. I love your shoes. Like little stuff can change the tra trajectory of somebody's day so intensely. And you never know what people are going through. So sometimes, again, larger orders bigger than you. So something may be coming through. You might feel compelled to give a compliment and that might change that person's day more than you even know. I mean, you, you don't know what they were um, going home to do or, or, or what kind of space they're in, but it can be the smallest of things. But, you know, our purposes are all different. So entrepreneurship might not be your space. You might be a parent or a coach. I think coaches uh, often don't understand the magnitude of impact they have on yeah. people's lives, especially our young humans. Um, our parents are always our first influences, our kiddos. I don't know that parents always understand that. Like your purpose can show up in so many ways and living in service, like expressing your gifts to give back to this world can be anything. And that's where like those little things you find that you're good at, find the path to give back through those things. It might be entrepreneurship, might be parents, it might be, um, you know, volunteering, it might just be being a nice person and being kind in the grocery store. And then there's 25 people around you that just saw you pay that compliment or help uh, someone, you know, get something off the high shelf or whatever. You never know how your actions are really impacting and serving the greater good. People are paying attention a lot more than you think. I love that idea of um, being a part of something bigger than you could simply be putting your gifts out into the world and helping people in however way that that looks, I really love that. I hope that's something we all kind of all, listeners and our community really thinks about. Um, I will tell you, I, and this is my challenge to all of us. I have a, I call it the, um, the pit stop challenge. This is just something I've been doing informally. So as you know, I drive to New Mexico quite a bit, right? So it's a six hour drive from here to the ranch and in, De in Denver where I live. And so I stop at a lot of gas stations along the way. And so what I do when I go up to pay, like every time I get gas, I always get a snack or an energy drink or something. And so when I go up, they always say, how are you? Hello, how's your day? Like they're trained to do that. And most of the time you go fine, you pay and you move on. So I started saying, I'm good, thanks. How is your day? And they are always shocked, shocked. And then they're like, oh, um, Actually, it was good because I got to spend time with my girlfriend this morning. Thanks for asking. Like, and then I get these whole long answers. It's the funniest thing. My husband dies laughing because he's like, people tell you their life story. And I was like, well, I don't think it's that there's something about me. I think it's that I stopped to ask them and say hello to them and make a connection. And that really elevates people. And I'm curious about people. So that's my gift, right? Is I want to know about people. So I don't know. I would challenge all of us to do it. You'll be amazed at how happy you make somebody else just by asking how their day is. Yeah. Well, that's graceful disruption. Like you're disrupting yeah. this thing we're so conditioned to do and you held space for another human to be a human being. Like yeah. that, that's enough. Like it doesn't need to be this, you know, go rescue a hundred people or feed a country. Yeah. Or, like it can be that simple and you completely change the trajectory of that human's day and their energy for a minimum the next hour. Like that's pretty powerful. Yeah. So let's all just do that at gas stations from here yeah. on out. Um, what, Kristen, you've done a lot of really interesting things. What are you most proud of? Oh man, this is funny because I was laughing with my dad, not laughing, but I just, I just completed the dopey challenge. It was 48.6 miles in four days, 5k, 10k, half full. And as you know, we're CrossFitters, we're not runners. So yeah, no. that was, it was great. But you know, when I got done, I was like, you know, it was hard, but it, I've done harder athletic things, you know, training for CrossFit games, blah, blah, blah. It, it's psycho psychologically competing across it's a whole other animal and i got so with the run they give you a medal for each day so there's like 10 medals and i'm i came home like dude this is i'm proud of myself i'm not dimming the light here and it's a little gluttonous and it's a little like very american like you do this you get this award and there's 10 of them and they're really cool and i feel good about it 
but I did a podcast. I'm like, this is no way the hardest thing I've ever done. And I talked about life challenge versus challenges versus chosen challenges. Like, I really think it's important that we choose challenges, like train hard, do hard workouts, be around people that are smarter, faster, better than you sign up for races, whatever, keep the edges sharp because those things keep you prepared for the stuff we don't choose relationships, loss, grief, what have you. So I don't, I don't know that you can compare um, the life challenges to the chosen challenges, but I would say my life stuff is certainly way harder than, than anything physical yeah. I've ever done. And I've done some pretty awesome physical things, but it doesn't pale. It, it pales in comparison to the life stuff. And I have people around me that, you know, are trying to reshape their child's education or, uh, you know, deal with a sick parent. I mean, there's things that are really, really, really hard and I would say my life stuff, mostly just figuring out myself has probably been the most challenging and the most rewarding, um, you know, adventure race thus far. <laughs> okay. We need to dig into this life challenge versus chosen challenges because okay. it blew my mind. So first of all, if I hear you right, so I want to make sure I'm getting all this, a life challenge is the shit that life throws your way. Yes. Right. Um, you get a divorce, someone dies. Uh, you bomb at work, you fill in the kids are struggling, right? All those things. Uh, chosen challenges are things like, you know, choosing to run a marathon, compete in the games, um, learn a new skill could be a challenge too, something you've never done before. If you're like not musical and you'll go to learn a cello, whatever it is. Yeah. Why do you think choosing tough things, even though they're chosen, why that helps you in life? Because you, you get used to adversity. You get used to the practice of doing stuff you don't want to do. I don't want to write my show notes. I don't want to do handstand push-ups. I don't want to do any of this gymnastics crap at CrossFit. But I want to qualify for the CrossFit Games. I want to have an impactful, thriving podcast. I want these things. So when I'm practicing on the daily, stuff I don't necessarily want to do, but it's for the greater goal, it's not that resistant. It's not that hard for me to do those hard things when it comes out of the blue and it's it's something that, is actually, you know, it hurts my heart or it impacts my family, or it's, it's really something I can completely can't control. All I can show up is do and is do the best I can. Well, I know how to do that because I've been doing those things in other practices and I'm prepared and more than the physical, the funny part about like CrossFit and training, all this physical is who cares about that? I could do the marathon and whatever the 48.6 miles, no problem because my mind is, is crazy. Like I've been doing this stuff and I'm not going to not finish. Like knowing that I didn't finish this would kill me more than not actually finishing. So this is why we're friends right there. You said, I'm not going to not finish is how I yeah. tackle everything. Well, I'm not going to yeah. not finish. <laughs> it's and, and again, there's, there's an art to saying when enough's enough, but yeah. when you have that, that mental training and you're clear in it, there, you, you, you don't even let the, the possibility of it not working out or it not happening seep in. And the, the more you can practice it, the easier it gets. And you can just show up. I feel like that much stronger on both challenges. So, oh my gosh, Kristen, we could have a whole other hour on this chosen challenges into life challenges because I think it is so, so powerful. And I really want people to hear this and think about um, where they can add chosen challenges in their lives. So I know that sounds horrible because it's like, where can you suffer a little bit? Where can you push yourself? Where can you meet resistance? But I do think also on, on all that, um, it's part of the reason why, you know, I, I do my CrossFit at 5 a.m., um, and it's part of the reason why I think those days I tend to be a little bolder and a little bigger 
because mm -hmm. I've already met the day with adversity. I'm, I'm, I've wired my brain to know how to deal with it when I've got a weight that's, I, I'm looking at it and going, there's no way I'm lifting that off the ground, but I have to. So I got to figure this out, right? So I got to work on my form. I got to, whatever it is. So then when I go through the day and I've got adversity with a client or whatever, trying to do something, my brain is actually now wired to know what to do. I think there's actually research and science behind that, not just like, doesn't it feel good? You've done it before. Yeah. So I think more of us should choose more hard things. Yeah, and I would I would even challenge the language around suffering. I mean, you you are, mm -hmm. but the but when you feel when you feel that adversity or you do hard things, I would really work to put positive connotation there. Even if it's hard, you don't want to get up at five. Like I hate getting up yeah. when it's dark out. The whole thing. And then when I am in a situation like doing this marathon, whatever, I know in my back pocket, I've got the mental and there's nothing that feels better than knowing you're prepared and knowing that you have this tool in your tool set. This knowing that thought will get me up in the morning, will help me write the stupid podcast notes that I don't want to do. What I, like it will help me because I when you feel that moment of preparedness, you know, you've heard um, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. When you know you have that, you're a level up from everybody else. And and it's it's sometimes not about being the best. It might be a matter of survival. Like we're in a crazy world in 2024 and I'm an optimist, but you really do need to stay ready. And so if you've got that in your back pocket and you know you've done hard shit to where if duty calls or something, it's your time to, to do something big and you're ready, that satisfaction, the thought of that satisfaction will keep you warmed and ready to do hard things. And it won't be about suffering. It'll just be about being ready for that big opportunity. So one of my favorite people to stalk is Gary Brecka. Okay. And do you know him? Yeah. Love, yeah. Um, Gary, if you're listening, you need to be on the show. Both of our shows, actually. <laughs> um, and he, he's fantastic. I love it. He just pushed against the system and just, I love it. And um, I think that he said, my, my, I might botch this a little bit, but he said, aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. Mm -hmm. And at 51, I started to really feel that like, oh, I need to, like, I do a cold plunge every day now. You don't, you don't, yeah. I don't think you have to do that to be uncomfortable. I think you don't need to be an extreme person. I think you can just get up earlier than you want to get up. I think you can have that tough conversation with your kids or your boss you don't want to have. But I think there's something, Kristen, to what you're saying that's really powerful about choosing discomfort or like resistance, just something that makes you stronger. And to your point, about the mental toughness. I think that's also important. I know even in the times where I failed, where I've tried something. So I tried two Ironmans. Both times I got called out for time. Like I made it a little further the second time, but okay. I missed the transition to the run by 15 minutes. So okay. the mile swim, got the 112 mile hilly bike ride in New York in to be told I couldn't run. But I knew that mentally I was still in the game. I missed physically the time. Yeah. But I still walked away. I walked away frustrated and angry and pissed off and like you know I've been training for almost a year like all those things but I, I dealt with that failure better because I walked away knowing okay I tried it didn't work but I know I had the mental part okay like I, I got through the mental game and there's a lot of power I think in what you're saying there well and that whole year leading up you were a sharper stronger more intentional fit person like yeah. all the residuals prior to the race you're already a winner like you already did yeah. all these positive shifts to commit to something and you're a thousand times ahead of all of us that didn't sign up for that race. So you're ahead of the game. And, and you know, like I said, there's four CrossFit games where I missed it because my jump rope broke or, I mean, there's a multitude of things, but there was actually like, it was that close and it didn't work out. And, but it did like we, it was a part of the larger story. Like we're really not in control, but if you can control how you show up and do the hard work, you can control yeah. as much as you can control. 
I love that. So someone just put in that they love our honesty. So thank you. We try. I think Chris and I are both pretty honest. Like there's no hold bars. <laughs> if you ask us a question, you're going to get the real deal here. No filter um, for better or for worse. No, no filter. So let's talk a little bit. You mentioned a second ago about being kind of ready for whatever comes your way. And one of the things that we've been focusing on, focusing on the launch street, my business side, and we just launched a whole quiz scorecard for teams is, is your team future ready? And really that's about collaboration, agility and resilience, innovative mindset, um, you know, those kind of things. Um, and, it, and it's been very interesting to see people's responses and kind of where they fall on each of them and kind of where they're strong and where they're weak. But in your mind, what does being ready for the future, what does that mean? When you don't know what the future holds, we don't know. Yeah. What does it mean to just put yourself in a place to feel ready for it? Oh, man. Well, it's funny. We just got a comment about honesty. But I think just being as totally truthful and vulnerable as you possibly can be because at the bottom of those wells are, are, is the purpose. Like you can get there, you can scratch the truth, but like you got to lean all the way in to get to that full purpose self. And that, I think that just takes like radical self-acceptance. And then from there, radical transparency in, in your journey. Cause so many people are like, we think we're special, but so many people have similar things that we're going through yeah. and leaning in, connecting with them and then building your team. Cause the other takeaway I would say at 43 is you can't do this alone. And, and I've, I've tried, you know, I'm very much an independent human. I'm a team sports person, but the juxtaposition is I love doing my own work. I love forging my own path. And you really, really, really need a team. You need your humans around you and you need the support and you've got to be able to trust people to lean in with your truth and your transparency. So I hope that makes sense. Why do you think it's so hard for so many people, because I'm in the same boat, to lean on others or to, to build their teams? Probably because we've been let down in life prior in, in certain capacities, whether it was family or generational narrative, um, athletics, so many things in work and leadership. You know, we're of a generation where leaders were this very stoic, coercive, do this because mm -hmm. I said so, whether it was a coach, a parent, a, a boss. Uh, and that's not the way of our world. And that's not the way, in my opinion, that humans respond best. Everybody responds different to different cues and coaches and leadership. But in general, we're human beings and you don't respond to the because I said so. Um, so I think it's shifting like our generation, our narrative, uh, away from that and and letting it go in there and that it's it's a new day and age people are different there are good humans out there doing good things you do have to be selective um but leaning back into like that faith and and knowing that if you're out here and we're doing good things and you know i i can honestly look myself in the mirror and be like i'm a good person wildly flawed and, and not perfect um but I'm, I'm clear on what i want and what i want to do i know there's people like me and that's you know that's why we're having this conversation one of the things that you said just made me realize, too, that I, I think we were all created with a different gift. So my gift and your gift, well, you and I have a lot of overlap. We're not, our gifts are not actually the same. It's why collaboration for us is so great, because yeah. we both bring different pieces of the puzzle together. And I think it is, number one, egotistical of any of us to think we can do it all, because we can't. And it's okay that we can't. To your point about how we were raised, we were raised with, like, I'm every woman. I bring home the bacon. I fried up the pan. And everybody remember that song? Am I totally dating myself? Uh, but, you know, but we're raised to think that. But it's really egotistical. It's a little bit selfish because you're not allowing other people to use their gifts, I think. Um, and you're just – I saw something the other day that said something like, alone you're going to run fast, but together you're going to go further. Yeah. And I think that's very true. And I, I, I'm not preaching to anybody because I've, this is a lesson I've had to learn over time is like, Hey, you know what? Building your ecosystem and your support crew or your team, whatever it is for you is really important. Yeah. And if you have to shift the narrative of 
it's, I'm going to let people in, or I'm going to trust, or I'm going to do this because I'm living a life of service. And if I'm going to do less, I'm serving less people without a team. Like if that helps the ego or the narrative, lean into that. Like just know I'm doing this for the greater good. When the reality is it is a little bit of ego or narrative, what have you. But if we're good at different things, take in the support. Take, I will never do some things as well as you'll do them ever. Right. That's not my suit. So if I can bring you in here, you can bring me in there. Or we bring in this person and collectively we have something greater for the greater good. Get off your soapbox. Get out of your way. And, I, and you're actually doing less and it's better than you thought it was going to be. Get off your soapbox. I love that. Cause that's how I feel when I'm on it. And I'm like, I'm going to do it all. You know? Cause that's what we taught. I mean, yeah, I'm every woman. Shout out to Shaka Khan and remade by Whitney Houston. <laughs> like we're here for it. But, and you know, we got to do the remix in 2024 and bring yeah. in the backup choir. Like, let's go. So we got a great question, which is if I figure out my gifts, how do I figure out the gifts other people have that I can connect with? That's a great question. Like, how do you figure out other people's gifts? Yeah. They're not clear about it. Well, I, again, I think this is stuff like you can't explain, you can't always figure out, show up, get out there, do things and, and let it come into you. I think if you're clear about what you want or you, you take time to get clear, the people you need, the opportunity, the friendships, the loves, the relationships, it will come in. Like I really have wholehearted faith in that. And this is the woo side of me. Um, but I don't know that it can be figured out. Just be open and let it come in and be clear about what you want. And that is as much, in my opinion, as you can figure out. And then people, they've got to figure out their own gifts and find their own paths. But if you're, you know, you like energy, attracts like energy. So if you're in that space, it's going to come in. So I want to look back real quick because we started about being future ready and then we kind of veered off a little bit because we started on the path. Is there anything else? I want to make sure you don't miss anything there that you think, hey, if you're trying to make sure that you are prepared as prepared as you can be, what what are those things you need to be doing or thinking about? I would, I mean, wow, the world is changing so fast, like business wise and personal wise, like things are out there. I think number one, you really got to know you and be secure in who you are and what you have to offer this world baseline to anything. Cause you can't, you know, inner peace, um, has to happen before world peace. So you got to get the internal correct. And then externally, I think just being really grounded, being really aware, balancing out your consumption, social Mm -hmm. media, fueling, fitness, like know what you're taking in and be okay saying no to stuff or filtering out because we are constantly processing data and calories and energy and all this stuff. Like it's okay to protect yourself and then be attentional again, opportunity costs about the stuff that you, you do let in. That's a very general answer, but that's also a big question. It is a big question. I love it. And it, it, I'm just going to add to that and say, I think what sometimes we forget that so physical stuff we know takes energy and can make us tired. It depletes us, but mental does too. And so when we're constantly out there dealing with change and, you know, things, a complexity and things moving or we're coming up with new ideas, new ways of doing things, new approaches, new behaviors that takes mental energy. So it's okay to get to a place where you need to back away, be tired, be still, take a rest, rejuvenate, and then get back to it. Um, we forget that. And then we think we have to white knuckle through the tired side. But that, I think, it ends up getting stuck in the past because our brains just shut down after a while. Yeah. Sometimes doing more is not more. It's it's mm-hmm. counterproductive. Like, you just got to pause and then, again, take faith. We talk about trusting other people and leaning in. Yeah. Sometimes that faith, like on, on the, my podcast, I say God, universe, and Madonna. Whatever you believe in, like, sometimes just pass the reins and lean into that faith piece and and just be still and know that something's got your back you know so true and I, i'm going to tell you right now here's the real real if one more person sends me a book about productivity and doing more i'm going to strangle them i'm not <laughs> interested in doing more we can't do anymore i mean we, we're hard workers we're doing the most oh, like, I, 
and you know, I, I'd love to get your perspective on this. It's been my experience, especially lately as I've gotten really clear is that it's about doing the right things and doing them well. It's really not about doing more. And my to-do lists have gotten shorter and shorter, but I've moved the needle further and further. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, time's flying by and we can only yeah. do so much. And if you're clear on what you want, it's like, is it a billion dollars? Is it a big family? Is it a big house? Is it, you know, winning the CrossFit games? Like yeah. if you know what you want and you get clear, usually a lot of the stuff we're stressing about and pressing towards isn't even part of the end game. Yeah. Right. I mean, how much do we worry about that a month later? I'm like, I was so worried that day and I don't even know what it was about. Exactly. Exactly. And you miss sunshine and beautiful Colorado skies and like, you know, all the good stuff. All the good stuff because you're too busy in your head. Yeah. Have there been any failures or things that, and you talked a little bit about like the jumper breaking and all that, but things that were like, wow, that did not, you put it all in and it did not go as planned. And if so, what were the lessons that came out of those moments? Oh my God, how much time do you have? I have way more, way more failure than success. And I'm not that athlete that's like, it was my jump rope or it was the ref. Let me just be clear. Most of those years, I was not good enough to qualify. I just straight up wasn't the best on that day. And I can stand with that. That's okay. The, the yeah. one thing, I'm a major advocate for life skills through sports because as a young human, you're failing all the time. You fly off the tire swing because you, you've never been on it before. You fall down the monkey bars. I was terrible at those. Um, I played everything growing up and I was, I hated gymnastics as a kid. So like I was literally hanging from those bars. I think my parents have video of me crying cause I hated it. And then it's funny, you know, 25 to 30 years later, I'm trying to do this as an adult at the CrossFit Games. Yeah. Yeah. Universe was like, get off, get away from gymnastics. Like this oh, is yeah. bad. so yeah, tons of failures. I mean, one of the biggest ones I think that wasn't a failure, but was perceived as a failure was um, we'll just stick with sports because we have many professional failures as an entrepreneur. You don't succeed without a million failures. Yeah. Um, but we, if you're familiar with CrossFit, we were, you know, you're a top affiliate in Colorado and we were at regionals. Several of us had chosen to go on the team versus individuals. So we qualify as a team. And in this particular workout, we had to get two muscle-ups, two women of the three, there's six people on a team, had to get two muscle-ups. And again, as I just said, I'm not your gymnastics human. I deadlift, I can dig holes, I do those things. However, the rings were a certain height, CrossFit has their funny things. So I was chosen of, you know, one of the two females that need to do uh, muscle-ups. Long story short, I was the only one that had a second workout that day as well. So I was pretty smoked going in. Um, we had about two minutes to get them. Our first girl goes, she's a former collegiate gymnast, crushes them out. I go, I get one and the clock is ticking. There's six uh, people yep. behind, five people behind me waiting. They can't even move on until I get this second muscle-up. And if you know muscle-ups, it's like push-ups or anything, small muscle groups. Once they're gone... That's it. On. And, and for anyone who doesn't know, muscle up is think of doing a pull up, but then continuing on up above the bar until you're like, your arms are straight and the bar is below you. So yeah. well, it's these, like, well, these are the ring muscle ups to boot. So, so yeah. we're on the rings. So no, like, and stability. Yeah, there. It, it's just a thing. Yeah. So long story short, I, um, in the last literally five, four, three, two, one, or maybe in the last 10 seconds, I somehow squeezed out this second muscle up and the audience is five feet from you. So the takeaway here is we got through it. We obviously didn't win that workout, but we weren't, if you, if I didn't get that, we would have been disqualified in the entire season training. The whole gym would not have qualified. So the, the, how that shook out is I was eventually taken off the team and was not allowed or was not invited essentially to compete with the team at the CrossFit games, even though we qualified in second. And, um, and I, I that? actually, well, I mean, there's a multitude of things here yeah. that, you know, we challenged ego and leadership and 
a few things, but the point is not any of like the business, whatever I wasn't, uh, invited. So I was taken off the team. It was devastating that I considered a failure, but in retrospect, years later, I look back and I was like, in actuality, that was my finest or one of my finest athletic moments where I had the mental capacity to have an audience five feet from me, a team behind me, 10 seconds and doing a movement I'm not good at. And we executed. I didn't lose my shit. I didn't mentally freak out. We executed the task at hand. Who cares about all the rest? I mean, we could have a whole podcast on if it's right or wrong or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's that yeah. in that moment when opportunity called. And it, all hell was breaking loose and pressure was on, I executed. So this perceived failure years later was actually a defined success for me. And it was, there's no accolades, there's no awards. In fact, it was quite embarrassing because, you know, we're a top crossfitter now, we're off the team, people don't understand what's going on, there's all this drama, yeah. whatever. But years later, I knew who I was and, and, and no one around me could understand it, but I had the security and the faith to be like, I know who I am, I know what I did, and that's enough. And that success has rung and stuck with me in my hardest moments when I'm alone by myself, you know, doing a podcast or training for a marathon or going to pitch this really hard deal. I'm in it. I'm in it with me. And, and that's kind of it. But I know I've done really, really hard stuff and executed when it was almost impossible. You know, um, there's a couple of things about what you're saying that I think are really important. So one is, I, I think in hindsight, a lot of failures or lessons or a, a good pivot in the road that we don't we don't see it at the time. And I think it's okay to not see it right away at the time. I don't think we should come out of every failure like, well, I'm so glad that happened. Like, I don't, I don't, I think that's hiding what we're really feeling. So I think sometimes you just got to sit in the poop and like, you know, deal with it a little bit. Um, but the other thing you said in there that I think is so important and I know is a real challenge, I just think for humans is when you know that it was the right thing or you know that, hey, I performed under pressure, it's okay. This is what I heard you say is it's okay if the people around you don't know it as long as you know it. And I think that external validation is hard to let go of, don't you think? A absolutely. This was 10 years ago, maybe longer. Um, and I still think about that day. And when you feel it and you really, again, take the time, like you said, to be, I was depressed. Like I was, I mean, it really ripped my heart out because I cared a lot. And so, yeah. you know, if you can be that upset about something, you know, you really care, you're living. Like, that's good. You should care about something so much to where it rips your heart out if it doesn't work. Yeah. And that's when the lessons, you know, stick the most and you can reflect and be like, okay, you know, I, I get it now and I understand and I can adjust accordingly, but also I can keep it relevant enough to where it fuels the fire for the next thing. Because this world isn't, we're not passing out gold stars. We laugh about this at Bladium all the time is you're going to yeah. do a million good, hard things that nobody sees. You'll never get accolades for. And you can know when you do it and you can feel it and that's enough. So, uh, I, so that was something that for, it took me a long time to figure out of like, Hey, it doesn't matter if other people recognize it or not. What matters is that you recognize it, but here's what I did. Um, I don't see if I can, I don't I don't want to like, it's going to be super loud. So I have a cowbell. Yeah. This is my PR bell. Okay. Right. So I'm not going to like totally cling it. So every time I do something that I feel is in alignment with me or that like, I'm proud, I'm proud of, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I ring my little cowbell, my PR bell. <laughs> I love it. I, you should, again, we're not, we're not conditioned. I think especially as women to like, yeah. you know, gloat or be the most or whatever, but go, go with it. I think you absolutely well, should. It's just for me. I don't care if you hear it, right? I don't care if any, nobody hears it. In fact, 99% of the time, nobody hears it. The only 1% of the time it's my boys because they happen to be in the house. Right. So, and then they'll ask me what happened. I'll tell them, but I'm not, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I feel like, you know, we need to work on, I, every other people, just need to work on recognizing that that validation, that confidence comes from the inside and not from the outside. And once we get okay with that, 
I think all that other stuff you're talking about becomes more natural. Completely agree. And I think it's critical for you to take those moments of celebration, whether it's a bell or a pat on the back or an ice cream or whatever, um, that really acknowledges something great. Because I actually do think that builds uh, brain waves and chemistry and a response that you can crave and lean into more, like the better practice you get it. I think it's huge. And I love that your young humans, your boys uh, get to see that because I think that's impacting their behavior and their influence on them so positively. Uh, the other day I rang it in my well, my oldest is in college, but my youngest is still here. He's he's a sophomore in high school. And he came over to my office and he's like, did you make a sale? <laughs> you know something happened. <laughs> yes, mom. I love it. I love it. It's so funny. It's so funny. All right, Kristen. So I can't believe we're out of time. Always amazing. What's one, given your, just your graceful disruption and mission driven, what's one piece of advice you'd have for people listening who are thinking, I, I really want to get on that path for myself? Yeah. Um... God, all I want to say is just grace, like really give, I mean, if you're people like us, you're, you're, you're probably your toughest critic. You're probably your, you know, you set the highest markers, like, you know, internally what you're capable of, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And letting go of that control, worry about all the stuff you can do, sign up for hard challenges, do hard stuff, be open-minded, be aware of your awareness and meditate, whatever. And just keep that grace in your back pocket because we don't control a lot. But if you keep showing up, you're a good person. You got a good heart. You're really trying to do the right thing. That's enough. So just keep the grace close because it will unfold. And you know we, we don't we don't control a lot. So uh, you just got to hang in there and keep stepping forward. I love it. I'm going to keep it in my back pocket. Kristen, <laughs> thank you so much for joining. Always a pleasure. Thank you for the questions and the comments that came in. I'm a big fan of kind of goes through our whole conversation of collective wisdom. So I know I don't have all the answers. So I love it when our community pipes in with their insights and their ideas and questions, because I think I think we all have something valuable to give. So Kristen, thank you for giving today. Phenomenal as always. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. I appreciate it.